0: Hello graveyard dwellers, this is Lexi from Drifters Cafe and I'm here to tell you about a spooky good deal. Drift on down to 50 West Main Street in Wardensville and try one of our monthly specials. We have a chicken pesto flatbread for you to sink your teeth into or a frappe that will chill you to the bone. Mention code ghosted on your next visit and enjoy two dollars off. Everyone, this is Megan, one of the owners at the Bookshelf in Winchester. We sell a variety of metaphysical products, including crystals, incense, candles, books, tarot, and more. Come and check us out at 106 Featherbed Lane in Winchester, Virginia. We can't wait to see you soon. You're listening to Ghosted in West Virginia. Welcome to the Inner Sanctum. I am your host, Alec McCann, Obsessors, Oppressors, and Possessors. And with me, as always, Julia McCann and Oliver. Did you like that? Wow, well, where does that go? <laughs> Behind Have you. I crushed him? Ah! So, um,. We did an episode on Malthus, and that was really just to, uh, to dip our toes into um, the conjuring universe. But we're only going to focus on the main... oh Little bird. The uh, main two movies. This one we're gonna do about the infield haunting, which was the haunting that was featured in the second conjuring movie. But we're going to tell the story as it is known, not as the movie did it. And this is all leading up to Halloween. Ooh, scary. Halloween will be a live episode. It will be our creepiest episode. I will say, maybe, viewer discretion advised for some of the details that are in this story. Uh-oh. This may, parents, be one that we don't let the children listen to. Uh, there's nothing uh, uh, inappropriate. inappropriate, but the stuff is gruesome that happens even before the haunting. <laughs> so uh, be sure to tune into that. But also, just you know, if you don't want your children to hear that kind of, it's violent, then don't uh, don't let them listen. That being said, the infield haunting is probably one of the creepiest hauntings that's also happened in fact uh after the conjuring 2 happened the hulu put out hulu put out a uh show called the infield poltergeist i believe or infield haunting and it was um focused on that and it was really creepy too i don't think i've seen it I I kept trying to find it, but I don't think they have it on there anymore. I'll see if I can find it on uh, a website or something. Uh, In 1977, a house in the North London suburb of Enfield was the scene of a violent disturbance of apparent paranormal origin. Mm. The occurrences were similar to those reported in other cases of the poltergeist type. Knockings and other noises oh this child just pulled my nipple right off my body <laughs> good boy Oliver. oh man that hurts son don't you have a dog toy to play with there you go it's a it's a it's a giant ball of cord if you know what I mean no don't, hey don't sound like you're choking on these people okay people call people about that you're fine it's a ball i promise it's a ball Stop it. Okay, if you can't do... He gonna choke himself on something that can't even reach his throat. <laughs> All right. Everybody likes it. He does. Um, the occurrences were similar to those reported in other cases uh, of the poltergeist type. <laughs> Knockings and other noises with no apparent cause. Doors opening and closing by themselves. Furniture overturned, small objects hurled across room, picture frames ripped off walls, small fires starting and going out by themselves, and such like. The events continued just over a year, and in many cases were witnessed by neighbors, investigators, technicians, press reporters, broadcasters, police officers, and others. Man. It's uh, a. still chose to live there? Well, I mean, it's, uh, from what I understand, it was like, it was like public housing. It wasn't something yeah. you could really choose not to do. Like, she couldn't just pick up and move her family. That sucks. Uh, and, and we'll get into some of the later aspects of this, uh, of this case. But, um, suffice to say, it definitely sucked. Now, uh... The interesting part about all this is that there's some question about what brought it in. The Conjuring movie has it being um, uh, Ouija board stuff. Right. But, well, we'll get it. It almost seems to happen just all, all of a sudden, but also immediately kind of thing. Yeah. What happened to your ball? There it is. There it is. So, uh, it's, in its later stages, the case was notable for the emergence of abusive and often obscene speech from the mouth of a 12-year-old girl. Tape recordings were made of the voice, which uh, was gruff and masculine, apparent that of an old man. Hopefully, I'll be able to find the recordings of that and we can post them on something so that That's people awesome. can hear because that would be really creepy. It would be. Um, so, Maurice Gross, a successful inventor, initiated an investigation soon after the start of the events on behalf of the Society for Psychical Research. Gross was soon joined by author and paranormal investigator Guy Lyon Playfair whose 1980 book This House is Haunted, an investigation of the inter- Enfield poltergeist is the main source of information about the events. Detailed and broadly accurate uh I'm sorry, detailed and broadly accurate reports published over a period of time by the Daily Mirror led to widespread attention by other newspapers, radio, and television. Also, I would like to say, Dana, if you are not hearing your voice at any point in this, I am sorry we had to re record it. Uh, once we tried to go uh, start the recording back up, it ended with audio no audio on the new recording so sorry about that dana now going into the family we're going to talk a little bit about the house and a little bit about the family just their locations of things um the house is 284 green street a three-bedroom council-owned semi-detached house dating from the 1920s that council-owned bit is public housing type deal okay uh, at this time, it was occupied by a family consisting of 47-year-old divorcee, Peggy Hodgins and, or Hodgson, and her four children, Margaret, who was 13, Janet, who was 12, John, who was 11, and Billy, who was 7. All except Janet are referred to in The House is Haunted, or This House is Haunted, by pseudonyms, respectively, Peggy, Harper, Rose, Pete, and Jimmy. I wonder why. Uh, I'll tell you, Janet was the one that seemed to have the most focus of uh, activity happening. Um, But we'll get there. Don't make me jump ahead, man. Peggy Hodgson was considered by those who knew her to be a pleasant and conscientious person, overcoming financial insecurity to do the best for her children. Margaret was serious and reserved. Janet lived, or Janet was lively and extroverted, John was only at home during the school holidays and some weekends, since he boarded at a special school. Billy suffered from a severe speech defect. Oh, speech defect. There we go. Uh, but in other respects, was a typical little boy. Mr. Hodgson's brother, John Burkham, a hospital worker, lived nearby at 272 Green Street with his wife Sylvia and two children, Paul and Denise. The two families did appear to be close, and John was supportive towards the Hodgson's. So, you know, it's nice to have that support. Right. Um, the Hodgson's next door, two, or the Hodgson's next door neighbor, 282, were builder Vic, Nottingham and his wife Peggy and their twenty-year-old son Gary. Relations between those two families seemed friendly and supportive as well. Uh, so here's the first incident on uh, August 31st, 1977. Around 9:30 p.m., the children Janet and John heard shuffling in their bedroom. Their mom comes into the room and hears three knocking sounds. Now we know from three is bad three is bad from a demonic um, from a demonic point of view three knockings is bad and also with uh, poltergeist it is very common for three knockings um, if it's gonna be something more sinister um, now uh, a chest of drawers moved 18 inches across the room without any apparent physical context so nobody is around it and it went no Nope. They immediately went and fetched help from the Nottinghams next door, and every time I think about this, I think about the Eddie Murphy joke, where he said, "Y'all have seen the Amityville horror, where everything was happening, and 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 the white people stayed." He said, "You know, it was the black people going in," and he just says, "It was the black people going in." Yes, um, they'd hear get out and he'd be like this is a nice house get out well yeah. too bad we can't stay Right? Eddie Murphy's a genius I'll tell you what he is funny um Vic and Gary Nottingham entered and heard further knocks Vic later stated that he could find no source for the knocks which seemed to be following him around the house but at this point Peggy Nottingham Peggy Nottingham there's too many G's in these people's I names know. called the police Oh, (laughs) Greg. WPC Heaps and PC Hyams arrived at 1 a.m. Heaps witnessed, and these are uh, police constables. I don't know what the W stands for. I thought maybe woman, but I didn't want to presume. I'm I'm not a jerk. Um, So, who knows? Uh, The genderless um, police officers (laughs) come into the... um, come into the apartment the house thing and heaps witnesses a chair move uh, three to four feet across the living room floor without any physical contact then they then came further knockings uh, and the police basically said um you know I don't know Uh, we aren't really equipped to deal with ghosts but good luck to you and yours right goodbye now uh, they said, if anybody asks us, we will tell them what we saw. But in terms of police, we can't do anything. Yeah, no, thank you. Over the next few days, marbles and toy Lego building blocks appeared to fly around the house of their own voli- volition, witnessed by many members of the family and the Nottinghams. There followed visits by council officials, clergymen, and others, but none of these deterred the phenomena, which continued unabated. September 4th, Mr or Miss Nottingham phoned the Daily Mirror in the hope that uh it would put her in touch with someone who could help. Reporter Douglas Bents and photographer Graham Morris visited the house. Both men witnessed flying objects and the latter uh which is Graham or I think actually Douglas Bents latter. Former means first, latter means last. So it must yeah. have been the photography man. Um the ph- the photography man have you met my new superhero the photography man he blinds you with a flash and then runs away (laughs) Uh, um, but the photographer was uh, hit in the forehead by a piece of lego that was traveling (laughs) oh oh man traveling traveling at a speed that he said the bruise was still visible some days later. On September 7th Oh no! Oh no! The notes! What have you done? What has science done? On September 7th uh, senior reporter George Fallows and photographer David Thorpe also visited the home but nothing uh, violent happened to them. But this did eventually lead to Maurice Maurice Gross and Guy Playfair (laughs) He likes snowmen. Oh, okay. Uh, That's on my shirt. Coming uh, after the Daily Mirror came. So in September, uh, early September, the Daily Mirror's fallows contacted the Society for Psychical (laughs) Research, or SPR for short, and spoke to the secretary (laughs) Eleanor O'Keefe O'Keefe got in touch with Maurice Gross Who had recently joined the organization And declared himself Or his willingness to act as an Investigator if any interesting Cases should arise Gross was a successful inventor Which you don't hear about them th- That very much right? Uh, and responsible for many innovations For the rotating advertising billboard So when you see the billboard That goes yeah. That apparently is him um His interest in the paranormal phenomenon had been awakened by a series of meaningful coincidences that followed the death of his daughter Janet in uh, August 1976. So just about a year, a year, maybe a year and a month, uh, before this his daughter died. Yeah um, of a head injury sustained during a motorcycle accident. Gross visited the house on September 5th. He advised Miss Hodgins, or Hodgson, sorry, I'm going to probably call her Hodgins the entire right. night, um, to remain calm and recommend she take notes of any incidents. September 8th, Gross and three Daily Mirror reporters witnessed a loud crash. Convinced that Hodgson's claims were genuine, Gross uh, decided to take on the case. During subsequent visits, He and others observed marvels that would fly through the air and land on the floor without rolling. Drawers and doors open on their own accord, door chimes that swung, Um, objects, teaspoon, cardboard box, fish tank lid that would jump up. The movements were witnessed by Gross, the Hodgson's, Peggy Nottingham's father and four reporters, photographers. From the Daily Mirror, at this relatively early stage, as many as 10 people not related to the family had witnessed the phenomenon firsthand. Thank you. Then you're welcome. Author and investigator Guy Playfair responded to an appeal to the SPR for assistance by Gross and arrived September 12th, along with Rosalind Morris from BBC Radio 4, The World This Weekend. He and Gross worked together for more than a year, making a total of 180 visits and 25 all night vigils at the house. Uh, and here's some of the phenomena that they discovered. The incidents at in Enfield are among the most closely recorded in any poltergeist type case. Gross, Playfair, Miss Hodgson, and other witnesses kept records of varying levels of detail. Tape recordings, and mainly by Playfair and Gross, eventually totaled over 180 hours an incomplete list is as follows marbles legos teapot vigorously shook in a cabinet uh, in the absence of external vibration um they marbles seemed to travel on air that seemed to emanate from the walls and windows even though there were no windows open metal spoons would bend and the lid of a metal teapot was deformed The shape of a bedside lamp tilted and then straightened. A toilet door opened and closed when nobody was nearby. Cardboard boxes and cushions were thrown by an unknown force. A slipper was thrown across the room by an unknown force. Framed certificate. That's probably a Latin mom. uh, A framed certificate was pulled off of the wall uh, with gross alone was in the room. A bedroom carpet was pulled up from the edge to form an identical shape each time an effect which Gross was unable to replicate. A settee I don't know what a settee is. Do you know what a settee is? Have you run across that in your June's Journey game? I have. It's like a sifter sort of. Okay. smaller. Okay. At least that's what it looks like. My eyes aren't very good so it may be something different but it's always in the kitchen scenes and that's pretty sure that's what it is okay it was levitated and overturned in front of several witnesses 11 year old janet was levitated and deposited in different places at different times kitchen unit this also has a smack of lindley street in it just the levitating children yeah. and stuff like that um kitchen unit doors slid open of their own accord tubular door chimes swung from side to side many times footsteps were heard when nobody was present 12 year old margaret was held fast by an unknown force knocks bangs and crashes heard not caused by plumbing vibration or other external forces coins disappeared from one room reappeared in another small fires started and extinguished themselves without causing damage water appeared what the meat Oh, you didn't put the meat away? Well, it's still frozen. Um, Water appeared in circumstances not understood. Normal, reliable electrical equipment, tape recorders, cameras failed to work. Apparitions were seen, partial and total. Iron frame of a built-in fireplace was wrenched from the wall. Excrement appeared in inappropriate places. I wonder what's not an inappropriate plate like and if it's not the toilet inside the toilet bowl even inside everything's inappropriate for for excrement right um there were written messages i hope not in excrement uh the abusive remarks and swear words and a gruff masculine voice produced by janet and sometimes margaret Mm. some effects occurred simultaneously Many repeated at different times and places, both day and night. Some were seen by members of the public, who in many cases had no interaction with the Hodgson family. They included John Rainbow, Y., a local tradesman, Richard Gross, a solicitor, and no uh, no, uh, relation to... uh, uh, Well, I don't want to say that, actually. I don't think he had relation to Maurice... Uh, and Hazel Short, a road crossing council employee known as the lollipop lady. She (laughs) may be someone we need to just look at and see if maybe she was a killer. Uh, that sounds exactly like the kind of name a killer would have a child killer. Uh Uh-huh. Hazel Short told Playfair that she had been walking numbers or she had been walking towards number 284 to pick up her lollipop sign that's creepy i gotta imagine that's like uh slow down their children coming Um, not like i but but my head immediately went like i've got lollipops like a weirdo yeah oh (laughs) like that guy that ryan said he can see his crunch (laughs) he didn't know how to say crotch oh what a fool i love him um which she normally concealed <laughs> under the hedge at the front of the house. How rude of you to be like, I'm going to use your bushes to hide my sign. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably let it happen, though. I'd be like, okay, just to make sure it's not seen. <laughs> I was standing there looking at the house, she said. Oh, wait, I need to do this right. Okay. Okay, sorry. I was standing there. I... <laughs> Please say about your mashed potatoes, too. Oh, mashed potatoes make my teeth feel fuzzy. (laughs) I was standing there looking at the house when all of a sudden a couple books came flying across and hit the window. It was so sudden I heard the noise because it was so quiet. There was no traffic and it made me jump. Then after a little while, I saw Janet. I don't know if there's a bed underneath that window, But she was going up and down bodily as though someone was tossing her up and down bodily in a horizontal position. Like as if someone got a hold of her legs and back and was throwing her up and down. (laughs) Shh, stop, stop. (laughs) This isn't, we're supposed to be scary, remember? Uh, (laughs) Oh, I say that as I'm about to go into another British accent. I definitely saw her come up about the window height, but I thought she if she was bouncing, she'd be bouncing from her feet. She wouldn't be able to get enough power to bounce off her back and, and come up that high. My friend could see her as well. We both could see her. Can you imagine <laughs> seeing a book in a window all of a sudden? And right after that, a child just laying horizontal. And some unseen force is just pulling her up and down. Like inside the house, that's horrifying. Outside, you're like, what is going on? Why are you barking?" in What kind of party are you throwing? Where are the people that are throwing (laughs) (laughs) shit? Why did it start with a book? (laughs) Like the ghost said, Oh, you know what? (laughs) That book wasn't heavy enough. (laughs) That book wasn't heavy enough. (laughs) Oh, here comes a child. What? He needs wipes. Why are your cheeks so red? I don't know. You've been out there huffing paint. Totally not eating stale stuff. Well, don't eat stale stuff. That's gross. Bring me the thermometer. Oh no. I don't know what it is. Oh no. What? Nothing. This is uh, this is too much interruption, though. You must leave. I can't. You must leave. You can take it out there. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. I'll be out soon to give you medicine. Lies. WPC. Thank goodness for that interruption because I don't know that I could have. Oh, man. (laughs) just, oh, man. Uh, WPC, Caroline Heaps testified to the investigators as follows. On Thursday, 1st of September, 1977 at approximately 1 a.m. Don't you now, stop. I was on duty in my capacity, as a police woman, <laughs> when I received a radio message to 284 Wood. In <laughs> I went to this address where I found a number of people standing in the living room. I was told by the occupier of this house that strange things had been happening during the last few nights and that they believed the house was haunted. Myself and another PC, that's politically correct person, entered the living room of the house and the occupier switched off the lights. Immediately, I was like, why? Why have you turned (laughs) off the lights? (laughs) She didn't say that. (laughs) Almost immediately, I heard the sound of knocking on the wall that backs uh, onto the next door neighbor's house. There were four distinct taps on the wall, and then silence. About two minutes later, I heard heard more tapping, but this time it was coming from a different wall. Again, it was distinctive. Peer the four taps. The PC and the neighbors checked the wall, attic, pipes, but could find nothing to explain the knockings. Oh, excuse me. The PC and the neighbors all went to the kitchen to check the refrigerator pipes and etc. Leaving the family and myself in the living room. The lights in the living room were switched off again. And within a few minutes the elder son pointed to a chair which was standing next to the sofa. I looked at the chair. Noticed it was wobbling slightly from side to side. And then I saw that chair slide right across the floor towards the kitchen wall. It moved approximately three to four feet. And then came to rest at no time did it appear oh whoops at no time did it appear to leave the floor i checked the chair but couldn't find nothing to explain how it moved the lights were switched back on nothing else happened that night although we have later reports of disturbances at this address why why would you turn the lights off like is it said activity was happening both day and night why are you turning the light off Right. Like, keep them suckers on. It's the only thing saving you. Right. That's how I would feel. Bible says the darkness did not understand the light. Let that light bulb shine. (laughs) Now, George Fallows, uh, a Daily Mirror reporter, as we've talked about, gave this account of events that he witnessed. Going to have to get another uh, British accent, one that's not the same. because of the emotional atmosphere at the house and in the neighborhood, ranging from hysteria through terror to excitement and tension. It has been difficult to record satisfactory data. Nevertheless, I am satisfied the overall impression of our investigation is reasonably accurate. To the best of our ability, we have eliminated the possibility of total trickery. Although we have been able to simulate most of the phenomena, in my opinion, this faking could only be done by an expert. That was actually pretty good. I wasn't expecting to pull out such a unique voice. Well, (laughs) that's apparently all I got in me is lively. I don't know what's going on. I'm British or I am part of the military. (laughs) Your first one reminded me of the chunky guy from Shaun of the Dead. Oh, good. Oh, I don't know anybody's names. Well, Simon Pegg. I think his name's Brian. <laughs> that you're him right now. <laughs> Especially when you said your teeth felt fuzzy. My teeth. That's te- him. <laughs> mashed potatoes make my teeth fuzzy. I feel um, like that's something he would say as he's bashing a zombie's head. <laughs> Ew. In December 1977... Three months after the start of the disappearances, or disturbances, not disappearances, <laughs> nobody's gone. We're not, uh, um, people An anomalous voice began to emanate from Janet. Oh. It started as a series of whistles and dog-like barks. <laughs> if I saw my 12-year-old child going. <whistles> And and then it developed into a human voice, that of an elderly male, harsh and guttural, and quite unlike Janet's. The voice identified itself as Joe Wilkins, pseudonym Watson in the House is Haunted uh, book, and claimed that he had lived in the house. The previous uh, occupant was, in fact, a Mr. Wilkins, who had died in the house. Mm. A fact Janet did not actually know. Uh, There would be no reason for her to know. Those weren't like matters of like you didn't. It was public housing. You didn't have to tell someone something. Um, It habitually swore and claimed to still be living and to sleep in Janet's bed. Uh, Interrogated by Richard Gross. Ah, I was wrong. Richard Gross is actually Maurice's son. Uh, interrogate, Interrogated <laughs> Different side of the pond on that one uh, By Richard Gross The voice gave further details I went blind I had, <laughs> 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 I had hemorrhage and I fell asleep And I died on a chair in the corner downstairs. (laughs) (laughs) To Can you stop it? (laughs) Now to eliminate the possibility that Janet was herself faking the voice, Gross taped up Janet's mouth. The voice continued to be heard somewhat subdued. (laughs) That's as was the case on future occasions when janet's mouth was also filled with water early in january 1978 margaret started to speak in a similar harsh voice but without the same intensity or duration as janet's many hours of recording of the voice were made and the details of which are related in Melvin Willens the in, uh, Enfield poltergeist tapes in 2019 a contact microphone placed on the back of Janet's head picked up what appeared to be a different and louder sound than her normal voice a speech therapist approached by the investigators was unable to say where the sound was coming from or how it was being sustained it had had some resemblance to a false vocal cord tone John Hasted, a physicist at London's Birkbeck College, carried out an experiment together with Adrian For- Forsen I almost said foreskin and that would have I been know. bad. Uh, a phonetics I, anyway. I know. A phonetics expert at University College, London. Um, they test a larn larino- laryngeograph indicated in... in uh, Tests with a laryngo, r- laryngograph indicated an effect known as plica ven- ventricularis. Uh, plica ventricularis. Ventricular. Ven- <laughs> plica V, uh, where muscle, muscle tension in the throat can produce sounds independent of the vocal cords. However... There are known side effects in this condition. Around six weeks of hoarseness and sore throat, neither of which were exhibited by Janet. Hmm. Meaning, hey, this child shouldn't be able to do this. <clears throat> Ray Allen, a ventriloquist, felt that the voice was being produced via the diaphragm, but this was disputed by Gross and Playfair. Gross was so convinced of the paranormal origin of the effect that he offered 500, later 1, 000, to a thousand, to a nominated charity if any child could replicate the voice under the terms he specified. Nobody took his offer up. He was further encouraged in his conviction that the voice had an unknown source when reading of similar historical cases of people suffering possession, for example. Annalise Mitchell. Uh, At the moment when the countenance alters, a more or less changed voice issues from the mouth of the person in the fit. Uh, Top register of the voice is displaced. The feminine voice is transformed into one of bass. There have been more recent reports of a similar phenomenon. In 2012, Professor Richard E Gallagher of the New York Medical College reported the case of a woman referred to as Julia. Oh, there you are. Uh, who you didn't sometimes? know I was alive then. Didn't I you? didn't uh, in 2012. Yeah. Oh, I thought I, we were still I, in 1977. No, I I, I said 2012. Uh, I'm glad you're paying attention, man. I am. Yeah. Perfect. I'm also rubbing baby's feet. By the way, guys, I, I said to tune in at 9 and I lied to you. My bad. Um, but <laughs> My this is new. woman, Julia, who sometimes spontaneously entered a trance state and uttered obscenities in voices completely different from her own. That's what I'm kidding. In 2014, police in Indiana, in the U.S., investigated a case where a child of Latoya Ammons displayed what she took to be signs of demonic possession, such as speaking in unnaturally deep voices. And remember, that's the Demon House people. Uh, Zach Bagans' uh, quote-unquote documentary, where he went and bought that house and investigated it for 10 minutes before he got really scared and ran out. Um, So, here's a variety of methods of investigation were undertaken by numbers of people between August 77 and October 78. In May 1978, the SPR set up a committee to examine the investigation by Gross and Playfair consisting of Mary Rose Barrington, Hugh Pencott, Peter Halson, and John Stiles. They carefully interviewed many of the witnesses considered much of the testimony to be clear and convincing. They also sought the expertise of Charles Moses Moses of the Southern California Society for psychical research. An experienced investigator, the committee concluded that there was good evidence for the paranormal phenomena described by credible informants, though judgment reserved on incidents that could not have been clearly observed or where witnesses were not found to be entirely convincing. They were wary of attributing a paranormal origin to Janet's other voice. Barrington felt personally satisfied that the paranormal events took place at Enfield and considered the tearing away of the fireplace an item of, I don't even know how to say this word, poltergeistery of the First Order. (laughs) It's treason of high order! (laughs) Physicist, Physicist John Hasted found that Janet's body increased in weight when she was strapped to a blundle couch, devised to measure such anomalies. He reported two sudden five-second weight increase signals, about one kilogram, and a minute gradual weight increase, which uh, eventually returned to normal. An anomaly he was unable to explain. Remember that episode of Evil where they were trying to measure the soul with that? I think that's the kind of thing he's talking about. That was pretty cool. He was further intrigued by a light bulb that exploded in an unusual way, finding that one of the glass supports on finding that one of the glass supports on which filament was mounted had snapped, an event he considered very rare. So, eventually, you know, <clears throat> he was like, "Oh, wait. Why is this snapped? What's going on?" Uh, physicist David now I love that they're getting physicists in on this they're like let's get some people physicist David Robertson carried out experiments at Enfield he attempted to video Janet secretly but found it impossible to conceal the equipment from her he reported a levitation of Janet the teleportation of a large cushion to the house roof the overturning of a sideboard his head being struck by a flying plate no thank you right His hair pulled when he slept on the floor of the front room. A local psychiatrist examined the girls and maintained that if they were left alone, the disturbances would stop. But this did not happen. Janet was given a detailed physical and psychological assessment at London's Maudsley Institute for Neuropsychiatry by Dr. Peter Fenwick, no abnormality was discovered, such as brain damage or evidence of epilepsy. Hypnosis similarly failed to uncover any evidence of psychological frailty. Playfair undertook some research that found similarities with some manifestations of Tourette's syndrome, including explosive utterances, barking, swearing. Uh, when medical doctors were called out, they usually prescribed calming drugs to help Janet sleep. National press reporters, photographers, and television crews used different approaches to try to uncover the reason for the phenomenon. Some introduced professional magicians to try and discover fraudulent activity. <laughs> Others brought spirit me- mediums to make contact. In fact, two Brazilian mediums, Louise Gasparetto and Elsie de Bugaduras, apparently had some beneficial effects on Janet's behavior. A somewhat theatrical performance by another medium, Jerry Sherrick, uh, also resulted in relative calm for a short while. Matthew Manning, a healer and psychic, visited the Hodgson's, wishing to share knowledge of such events from his own experiences, which he believed originated from an individual's own energy. Manning said he had experienced headaches, of a similar nature to Peggy Hodgson's at times when the phenomena was about to take place. Oh, so this is just a lineup of crazy people. Um, Dono Miglig Meiling, a Dutch healer and clairvoyant, visited in October, 1978, finding connections between the incidents and the death of Gross's daughter. Because Gr- that makes sense. Right. Gross and Playfair conceded that Margaret and Janet had sometimes tried to trick them, but insisted these occasions were very few, that they were very quickly discovered, and that the girls had then admitted their deceit. Indeed, they had held that it would not have been normal if the children had not tried to copy what they were seeing happening all around them. Janet later admitted they cheated about two percent of the time. The family and direct neighbors believed the phenomenon to be real. Those who knew Peggy Hodgson had no doubts about her personal integrity. However, some potentially credible witnesses disputed the veracity of the phenomena, often after just a few visits and some cases without having visited at all. Media coverage was typically trivial and sensationalist. You know the headlines, Terror for Family and Spook Riddle. Or uh, Ghost Hunters Clash Over Mystery of Spook or Spoof Kids. Phantom Fred is a force to fear. Oh my. (sighs) Um, And This House is Haunted is published in 1980. It was reviewed skeptically by Anita Gregory, an SPR member and investigator who had also visited Enfield with John Beloff in December of 1977. The pair argued that the girls enjoyed play acting. Gregory alleged that John Burkham told her that Janet taught herself the trick of talking in a deep voice and that she enjoyed keeping strangers hopping about. Gregory also stated that Peggy Nottingham had told her that what was going on now was pure nonsense and it kept going by the investigators. Or it was just going, or it was just kept going by the investigators. (coughs) after rejoinders (laughs) did y'all like that sound after rejoinders from Gross Gregory repeated her suspicions regarding the paranormality, the the paranormal no I said that right okay of the girls voices and her belief that Playfair's book was far too sketchy unsystematic imprecise ambiguous and confusing to be seen as a contribution to research uh, slam the dude hard why don't you Melvin Harris, an author of debunking books, analyzed the photographs in This House is Haunted and concluded they showed the girls indulging in spirited hijinks and forcibly denying that they could be held to pre- represent paranormal events. In reply, Playfair fair defended the photographs as follow. On the curtain, twisting sequence. Harris suggests the curtain has simply been hit by the bedclothes and knocked off the window ledge. He does not explain how the curtain then moves into the room, as it can be plainly seen to do so in the first picture, instead of towards the window as one might expect. Nor does he explain how it moves to the night, the opposition, or the opposite direction to that of the bedclothes and then twists into a spiral in the pillow sequence. He does not explain how the top of the pillow doubles up in mid-air and changes direction, which it clearly does. Had both pillows been thrown with one hand by Rose, they would presumably have followed the same trajectory and landed together, which they did not. Such movements, he says, easily correspond with those to be found in commonplace everyday events. Not in the world I live in. In later response to Gregory, Gross defended himself against her criticisms and pointed out that she had concealed the case or conceded the case included some good evidence and testimony being answered in turn by Gregory with more criticisms including a complaint about lack of evidential video footage. So, Gross and Playfair published the further reflections some years later. And here they drew the attention of large number of written and spoken testimonies from witnesses. They described in detail the constant anomalous problems that they and professionals had experienced with sound and video recording equipment when they were trying to capture stuff. They bewailed the lack of balance shown in sections of media, denouncing the many inaccuracies, distortions, half-truths, blatant lies about the Enfield case that they had found their way over the years into print and radio and TV programs. Some journalists, they revealed, had tried unsuccessfully to bribe the next-door neighbor, Miss Nottingham, with a thousand pounds if she would state that the events were all pack of lies. She and her family subsequently made uh, signed statements repudiating allegations of faking. Professional skeptics continue to criticize the infield investigation. 2012, Janet appeared on the television program this, uh, this morning with Playfair and Deborah Hyde, editor of Skeptic Magazine. Criticism by Hyde of views put forward by Mary Rose Barrington led to the correspondence by both parties in later edition of the magazine, yada, yada, yada. Basically, there was a big to-do about whether or not this place was actually haunted. And, you know, and it's still up in the air because, again, there was a Wilkins that died. His name was not Joe Wilkins, I believe. Uh, I believe his name was Bill. But I could be wrong. Um, <clears throat> Gross appeared in a French documentary, The Strange Odyssey, in 1995. He was interviewed by a Japanese film company in 1996, at which time Terry Wilkins, some son of the former occupant uh, of the Enfield House and putative entity Bill Wilkins confirmed that his father had died in the house many years earlier uh, in the circumstances that Janet's voice had described. And then Gross died in 2006. Playfair remained an active researcher, author, and SPR council member almost until his death in 2018. He vigorously defended the legitimacy of the investigation and claims paranormality. In 2007, he took the Times, or he took the yeah, he took the Times, to task for making unfounded comments about the case. Playfair also pointed to support from the academic community for his comparisons uh, of features of the case of Tourette syndrome. Now, Peggy Hodgson died in 2003. Her oldest son died in 1981 at age 14. John. Janet left home at 16 and married young and suffered the loss of her son when she was 18. Maurice Gross died in 2006 and Playfair died in 2018. Peggy Hodgson avoided publicity after the disturbances subsided in 1978, but never changed her position about the anomalous nature of what she was experiencing. Billy, a young child at the time, remained largely indifferent to the events. Both Janet and Margaret have made brief appearances on television documentaries, insisting on the genuineness <clears throat> of the phenomenon. In 2011, newspaper article whether uh, asked in a 2011 newspaper article whether she believed the house was still haunted, Janet said years later when mom was alive there was always a presence there something watching over you. Janet, who was at the time 45 mentioned having been bullied at school as a result of incidents being named Ghost Girl. She also mentioned playing with a Ouija board before the trouble flared up, but she also said she had been unaware that she would go into trances until the photographs were shown. That's creepy. So she didn't know, you know, she played with a Ouija board, but stuff was happening beforehand. She said, I knew... When the voices were happening, of course, it felt like something was behind me all the time. They did all sorts of tests, filling my mouth with water, so on, but the voices still came out. Levitation was scary because you didn't know where you were going to land. I remember a curtain being wound around my neck. I was screaming. I thought I was going to die. After Peggy Hodgson died in the house, or died, the house was briefly occupied by mother of floor, Claire Bennett, who stated, I didn't say anything, but I felt uncomfortable. There was definitely some kind of presence in the house. I, I'm i apparently also a bit Southern. I always felt like someone was looking at me. Her sons would wake up in the night. Uh, oh, wait, this is just normal people. Her sons would wake in the night hearing people talk downstairs. Bennett then found out about the house's history. Suddenly it all made sense. She said the family moved out just two months ago from this writing. Mm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the infield haunting. Creepy. I don't think I would have stayed, I would have tried this, I would have been like, uh, hey, Peggy Nottingham. Right. Can any, new would you like to have the ultimate blended family and just mm. live together so I don't have to see this chair re, rearrange right. itself. That's terrifying. Please we can we can brush our teeth together and so that the mashed potatoes don't make them fuzzy. <laughs> um, thank you for listening, guys. And remember, uh, we are coming up on a big Halloween episode. So please stay tuned. Uh, keep watching the show, keep spreading the word. Get people to listen, please. We love having people listen and rate and review us on whatever you listen to us on because it is it helps a quite a bit. <clears throat> what did I just say? <laughs> it helps a lot. It gets the it gets the word out. It uh, puts. It, it puts the word out that there's a show that people need to pay attention to. Um, it puts it, it... When you rate and review, it puts uh, suggestions out to other people uh, based on what they listen to, what they watch. So please, rate and review. Um, and if you have a personal story, send it Haunted Marital Productions 14 at gmail.com or send it to me or Julia or just our ghosted page at JNA's Ghosted. Uh, at Facebook and then ghosted.wv on Instagram. You can message us there and give us your ghosted story or even a topic if you want. Um, Please remember that we are uh, trying to get our Patreon set up, uh, or not set up, but uh, going, so go check that out at ghostednwv um, on patreon.com and uh, look at that stuff. And we are currently setting up the store. Yeah. I haven't even told you about that. We're currently setting up the store. You haven't told me about it. No, I haven't told you about it. Oh, you are really doing it this time. Yes, we're doing it because <laughs> we can set up a campaign. Oh. So that people can buy and get it directly from the store. We just tell them where to go and and what's available, and awesome. then we receive that. And I think. I think the website only takes shipping fees. I could be wrong. But either way, we are setting that up. Please remember to uh, go to Drifted and tell them Ghosted sent you to get your $2 off. And do you have anything, baby? Um, All right. No. no, not yet. Not yet? You don't have anything yet? Not yet. All right. Alright guys, well thank you very much for listening and as always, when you're sleeping, curl up so they don't touch your feet.